Lord, come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Worthy. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, your mercy, Lord God. Oh, we thank you, Father God, for your grace, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seats this morning. Amen. After all that exciting music, I'm going to talk about hell. <laughs> After all that, you know, I'm going to talk about hell this morning. We've been talking about grace. This month, uh, this year, we're talking about um, growing, but this, this month we've been focusing on growing in the area of grace. Growing in the area of grace and you know, somebody came to me the other day and said, hey, hey, how come you don't talk about hell? I said, I talk about hell. You know, hell, hell is an important topic. You know, we, we have to talk about hell from time to time, you know. And, and he said, well, you know what, I, you haven't, I haven't heard you talk about hell. And, you know, and I said, wow, you're sounding a little homesick, you know. So, <laughs> okay, you know. So, so we'll, we'll talk about hell, because a, a conversation about hell really is a conversation about grace, you know? God makes, a, makes space for us to escape hell by his grace, amen? We, if you were here Friday night, you heard uh, a, a powerful uh, message. Uh, Brother Randall talked about how, man, you know, how we were once totally lost, you know, not deserving of anything good, but God poured out this huge abundance of grace upon our lives and, and allowed us to escape this, this place called hell. So I'm going to read to you from Revelation 20, verse 15, and it's part of a bigger story, but this is what it says, and I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, if anyone's name was not written, was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as I read these words, that we would hear your voice, your loving, gracious voice as you call us out of this, of this place of torment, as you call us away from danger. I pray that we would hear your voice as you, Father God, as you put into perspective why we do what we do, why church is important, why your word is important to us. I pray that as we read these words, Father, we would hear your voice, your call, that we would hear you not as a hater of, of, of just being a hater, but we would hear you as a hater of sin, which destroys your people, that we would hear you as a hater of rebellion. Oh, God, I pray that we would hear your voice through these words this morning as we pray, as we read, as we listen. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people say, Amen. Amen. This morning, like I said, I, I'd like to talk about this topic, uh, this important topic of hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. We have entered into a time in our society where uh, Christians even uh, have, have dismissed this idea of hell. The reality of hell is, is up for question. Uh, and, and so in, in this post modern society, everything is up for question, up for review. Do we really need to believe in hell? Do we really need to believe in this place, this, uh, in this place of torment, uh, of an, an uncomfortable, uh, you know, distasteful topic of hell? Do we need to talk about it? And so people have put 
hell on the chopping block. They have dismissed it as a topic. They don't want to talk about it, and so they have refused it. They have ignored it. But hell is a real place. And uh, the question that people ask today is that why would a God, a loving God, send anybody to hell? If God is so loving and kind, why would anybody go to hell? Why would he create a place called hell in the first place? If he loves people, he wouldn't send anybody there. There was one Catholic priest who believes that hell is only a state of mind, right? And the topic in the Catholic Church used to be a purgatory, you know, of, uh, as of this this place we go to and hopefully our, our sins are purged and hopefully other people are praying for us and, and we're there like in the holding tank for a little while and once we're purged of our sins and we graduate, praise the Lord, and I can go on into heaven and meet the rest of my buddies. But this one Catholic priest says, oh, that's just a state of mind that when you die, hell dies with you. That when you die, it just kind of goes away. This hell is not even considered real anymore. And if it's not real, it can't hurt you. Nothing that is not real can hurt you. So live as you want to live and do what you want to do because there is no real hell. And it's easy for people to dismiss something that is so unpleasant like this topic of hell. It's unpopular. And nobody wants to talk about such a horrible place, a horrible state, an eternal state. They figure, man, if I lived a life of sin for 30 years, why doesn't God just punish me for 30 years? Then let me go to heaven. If I lived a life uh, 70 years of sin, then, uh, you know, why don't you punish me for 70 years and then spend the rest of eternity in heaven? Why, why can't the crime equal the punishment? They, they're looking for, a, you know, but no. Hell is for eternity, severe punishment for eternity. But we don't want to talk about that. So we invent false ideas about hell or fantasy ideas about hell. Like hell is a place of soul sleeping. That those that go to hell just go to sleep. And their soul is asleep for eternity. And you just never wake up. Whether you dream or not, we don't know, but you're just gone. You're gone. You're away. You're somewhere else. Or annihilation, where the soul is simply destroyed. That it's, it's just totally destroyed. Or spiritism, where the soul is just walking and awake and just kind of wandering around the earth. You know, and there are people who believe that they can call the spirits of their departed dead because they're just wandering around. They got nothing to do. They're hanging out at, at the Third Street Promenade right now, you know, just looking at people, you know, and just hanging out at places. And if, and if you call them long enough and sincere enough, that they'll show up and they'll talk to you. That they're there to comfort you. Spiritism or purgatory or we ignore it altogether. But hell is a real place. It's a place of unending torment. A place of conscience, conscious unending torment. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented, the Bible says, day and night, forever 
and ever. They will be tormented. That is a conscious pain, a conscious awareness of where they are and what they're going through. Hell is a place of extreme suffering, the Bible tells us. It's a place of memory. And if it's a place of memory, it's a place of remorse. If you can remember, you will be remorseful of all the things that were said to us, of all the opportunities we had to live for the Lord, to prove our faithful commitment to Jesus. All of those times where we were, you know, told the, the truth, man. But, you know, here people will find themselves in this place where they can remember life and, and then think about, man, why didn't I respond? Or perhaps, why didn't they tell me? Out of all the mugs we make, Christian t-shirts we wear, there will be people in hell despite that, right? It's a place of unsatisfied desire. Those who never reached the point of real commitment to Christ. It's a place of shame and contempt, of hopelessness, because it's unending. There's no end to hell. Hell was never intended for people. Did you know that? Hell was made for Lucifer and his fallen angels. But since then, the devil has been reaching out to us, calling us late at night. Hello, somebody. Inviting us, evangelizing us, instigating us one to another. You know, you know what she said about you? What? You know? And we have these conversations. We get caught up. In this scenario that the enemy wants to create for us because he knows where he is going. Hell wasn't for you. It was for him. But he's been accusing us and pointing things out and instigating conflicts between God's people to try and take us with him. Trying to take as many of us as possible. And he's good at what he's done. He's, he's been doing this for a long time. And so we continue to lie and cheat and rebel and do the kinds of things that earn us a space in hell. In the end, those who don't get right, guess what? They get left, right? Hey Amen. We know that one, right? And we receive the same judgment, the same judgment as Lucifer. Jesus himself, he tells us this in Matthew 25, verse 41, that uh, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed. That's what it is, a, a curse. If I could just stop there and think about this. When we, when we think about this idea of a curse, a curse is this unseen, this, this non-tangible thing that follows you through life that follows you, when we think about a curse, the way we imagine a curse, it's something that causes an unpleasant existence. It stops you from, from benefit. It stops you from pleasure. Whatever the curse may be, when you think about a curse, it is something that follows you, that hurts you, that harms you in some way. Jesus says, depart from me, those that are on his left. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what he says in Matthew 25, 41. Those who are cursed, they are cursed to this fire. They have committed, they are committed there. They, this is where 
We all belong because of our rebellion. It wasn't for us. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse 18, or I'm sorry, chapter one, verse eight says this. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Those who don't know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from, and from the majesty of his power. Eternally shut out, separated from God, separated for eternity. That's a terrible place. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 describes it this way. He says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And if the pregnant woman knew that her water bag would break in the line at 7-Eleven, she wouldn't have been in 7-Eleven, right? And Jesus is creating this scenario that if you knew the moment you really needed to be right, if you knew it, you would be in the place, the most convenient place for yourself for eternity. The fact of the matter is that it comes upon you in a way that is totally unexpected. Don't be caught off guard. The suffering is eternal. The, the, you know, the, the dead are, are not in a state of extinction or asleep. This is an eternal punishment. In Revelation 2015, the Bible tells us that only those who have continued faithfully unto death, that have continued faithfully, will be taken into heaven. There are some who start out well, start out powerful, start out with a testimony of greatness, of, of mercy, and they, and, and they tell the story of God's faithfulness in their lives. But he says those who continue faithfully unto death will make it to heaven. This means that there are those whose names will not be found in this book that he's talking about. Whether those names were never added in the first place, or maybe at some point they were blotted out. But despite what Jesus says, many people still have a hard time taking uh, hell seriously. Right? They complain that hell is unfair, that hell is too hot. Why does it got to be so hot? Right? That it's too long, that it's too harsh, that it's too painful. So the question about salvation becomes a serious question. When you think about salvation, that becomes a serious question. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done? And, and we can ask ourselves that this morning. Man, what have I done with if, if, and, and, and if we can, you know, if Jesus really did die on the cross for me and, and for you, if he really did that, and if he really called us to commit ourselves to him, if that's true, if it's real, and if it's true that a curse has been given and poured out upon the earth because of sin and, and unfaithfulness, and, 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 you know, if that is true, how should I be living my life today? How serious should I take the gospel? How serious should I take worship and serving 
and faithfulness. How serious should I take this whole church thing? If this is all true, what have I done with Jesus? I know what he's done for me. What have I done with Jesus? This has to be the most the single most serious question that I would have to answer in my life. Because unless our names are written in the book of life, this is where we'll spend eternity. Hell is not a big party where people hang out with the homies. Hell is not purgatory where, where people will eventually you know, be pardoned once their sins are purged. Hell is filled with the enemies of Christ those who have ignored Christ, those who have ignored the call of the Spirit, the call of God, the urging voice of the Spirit, the conscience that is constantly speaking, constantly urging us. Cartoons show it as an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other, right? And, and from the, the, the word, the, the Latin, way back, where, where it, it means conscience is conscience, C-O-N, and then science, two voices, two knowledges, two voices sitting, speaking, calling, both of them urging us to go a certain direction. And the cartoons show it as an angel and a demon, and oftentimes the demon is the one who wins, right? Is saying things and convincing people, yeah, you're right, man. And, and then the, the, the angel gets kicked off the shoulder, and, and there we go with the devil, Right? And we listen to these voices, and these voices are, are leading, you know, those who refuse the voice of conscience, those who refuse the voice of God. Hell is filled with those individuals, the impure, thieves, the covetous, blasphemers. Matthew 19.30 tells us that many of the great in this world will be found to be in hell. The great, the exemplars, those that we applaud on the earth. Great people, politicians, great people, men and women of renown. You'll get to hell and say, man, you're there too? Right? I voted for you. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know who that might be. <laughs> right? Great people might be found. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. A place with an unquenchable fire. A place of memory and remorse where we forever will live with the frustration of an unfinished life. Get it right now. Man, get, all your, get your life together now. Hell is a place of remorse, of, of memory. A place of thirst where we feel the longings of the body the way we felt it in life. When Lazarus, Jesus tells the story of, of Lazarus being in, in hell and, 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 and he was in Sheol. And, and this is the place even before the lake of fire. And he was there and, and, and he sees, the, you know, the rich man was there in, in hell and, and he's looking over and he sees Lazarus, the poor man, who made it to, to a place of, of rest and peace and hope. And he's begging, please, hey, send Lazarus over, to, you know, just have him dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. Man, I am thirsty and hot in this place. He wouldn't even shake Lazarus' hand in life. But dip your dirty finger in water, man, I'll take whatever you got. 
He was in torment, man. He feels this agony. He feels the pain. Jesus did not describe a place of sleeping. He did not describe a place of, of just total resting or wandering on the third street promenade as a spirit. But a real place of suffering, a place of thirst, a place of remorse, a place of separation where those who were bound to hell were separated not only from God and not only from loved ones, but separated from hope. That there is no back door to hell. There's no gate that you can you know, figure out how to climb over, how to get out, how to escape. There's no end. It is a separation from hope. And some have rationalized that talking about hell scares off potential believers. Now you talk about hell, people don't want to go to church. That we should be more like the Buddhists. We talk about nirvana. Talk about the fourfold path of of, you know, of righteousness and talk about happy things and good things and hopeful things. And we do. And we do. But the gospel is a gospel because it is grace from hell. It is an invitation out of hell, away from hell. And this is how we can get our family members to avoid hell. We need to live right. Man, who wants to follow somebody whose life is all messed up? And they look at us as believers, and they look at us, and we're, we're up and down, in and out, all, you know, around the block several times, back and forth, and we can't get it right. Those who are looking at us, man, I, that's not the life I want. I, you know, we need to get it together. I need to get it together. You need to get it together. If we're going to be a voice for heaven, I don't think that a conversation about hell scares people off. What scares people away from the gospel are people who don't take hell seriously. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Only few find it. It's a difficult road. It's a difficult life to live. It's a difficult gate to enter into. This morning, I, I, I saw a program on the news about uh, people finding shelter for dogs and cats. And I thought it was interesting that, uh, man, they're, they're really putting some effort into saving dogs and cats and finding a home. And for these dogs and cats, Finding a home is the ultimate saving grace. Just get them off the streets. They, if, they, if they find a happy home for this dog and this And those are good causes, great causes. And I believe in those causes. But what about the lost people? What about lost souls? What about those who are wandering without any place to go? What is the saving grace for those individuals? What if they had a home? What if they had a place for eternity to come into the household of God and find rest where every tear is wiped away, My God, where, where God is able to heal and restore, where there are no more worries, no more suffering, right? Where, and, and money is spent, and, and, and it's good. It's a good cause for, for the dogs and the cats. It's a, it is. It's a good cause for the dogs and the cats. We have... Man, over, Nearly 50,000 homeless people that need homes. Not to mention 
homeless souls that need to be into heaven. What is God's saving grace for us, for your family, your family members? Hell is an endless, self-chosen place of separation from the presence of God. It is self-chosen because God has graciously held out for us an offer to escape hell. He's offered out to us an invitation to know his son, to walk with his son, and to be forever changed by his son. As his son, uh, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, and we, we, we sanctify ourselves, as the Holy Spirit sanctifies and transforms us, every day we make decisions to do the right thing. That's sanctification. Every day we, we have, I can do this or I can do that. I'm going to do the right thing. That's sanctification. Every time we agree to live for God and serve God and do good things, that is sanctification. And God is sanctifying us day after day after day. And in the end, when we face him, in the end, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in, you know, enter into my rest. That's what we desire. So if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, the Bible says he was thrown into the lake of fire. What a tragic end. What a tragic reality. This is the reality. And God doesn't hate sin because he just is a hater. God hates sin because of what it does to humanity, what it does to his creation. The world is all messed up because of sin. The world is all messed up because of Lucifer and his rebellion in heaven from the first, uh, at the very beginning. And because of that, he's created a place to torment Satan. Many have joined him since then, and hell is full of people who are right now facing remorse and regret, who are right now feeling as in body, feeling the torment of their decisions, feeling the regret, remembering the pain and the misery of, of an opportunity passed by. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do for your family members when it, when it comes to this question of Jesus? You know, hell is a real place. And I want us to be cognizant of the fact that we have been graciously invited to serve God in his kingdom and be agents of his kingdom for those that need salvation. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And I'm going to read this as we prepare to close this morning. I, and I'm going to read uh, from Revelation 20. I'll, I'll start in verse 7 and read down to our verse, our text this morning, which is chapter 20, verse 15. It says in verse 7, When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. There he is instigating. In number, they're like the sand of the, on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. 
But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence. If you can imagine how awesome that image must have been. That when earth and sky see God on his throne of judgment, earth and sky ran from God. There's no place to hide. And he says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, right? Death and the grave. So those who have passed away, even bodies that have never been found and had proper burial, those in wars who, whose bodies were dismantled, blown up, burned, they will come together, everyone, and stand before God on this day. The sea will give up the dead that were lost, thought lost forever. Death and the grave will give up their dead and they'll stand before the Lord. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And verse 15 says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Father God, I pray this morning that we take seriously, Lord God, what your word is saying about this life and about what our priorities are when it comes to to what we do with the question of Jesus? What do we do with the one who claims to have the answer for the human condition? What do we do with the one who calls us to serve him, to follow him? What decisions do we make that have impact our eternity? What, what have we done to confront the curse the curse that promises an unpleasant future, the curse that keeps us from, from the benefit of a productive life. What have we done with Jesus? What have we done with the Son of God who gave himself for us? I pray this morning, Lord God, oh God, in light of what your word tells us about hell and about the grace that you've extended to us, that, my God, our concern for people, that our concern for the lost, my God, oh, Father, that it grows, my God, even more and more, my God, that we are passionate about reaching those that are lost, passionate about living right, passionate about getting serious about our calling, about avoiding the voice of the enemy who has tried to distract us and keep us from our calling that we become serious about preaching the gospel, serious about loving you, my God, recognizing, discerning the times, Father God, 
And I pray that you would call a people, Father God, to be your agents in these last days that will share the gospel of truth to those who are perishing, my God. We thank you this morning for your word. And I pray that you would touch every heart. Let us respond to you in sincerity, Lord God, that we take seriously this idea of heaven and hell. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If, if the Lord has spoken to you, maybe this morning you say to yourself, you know, I take serious this idea of hell, that I want to be an agent for God, a voice for God, that even in my conversation without knowing it, my words are seasoned with grace, that those that hear me, that those that see me on the job or at school, that they respond to God in some way, that somehow my life is a testimony, whether I, I speak words or not, that somehow my life will, will, will convince others that God loves them, that somehow my life will be a witness of the truth of the, of the gospel, somehow that others will come to know you, Lord, through the things that I do and say. I pray your anointing upon your people. I pray, Father, you would draw men and women close to the cross, that we would submit to you, that we would surrender to you, Father God, that you would rebuke the voice of the enemy, Lord God, that you would raise up a people to serve you, my God, in sincerity, Lord. And we love you. We love you. We need you this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray, Lord.